Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, hello. Uh, let's see here. Oh, 20 confirmed 22 Americans, 22 Americans dead over there. Uh, damn. And it's going to get it's going to get a lot worse overall. Um, I just, you know, air war. There's an air war in effect right now. And you can bomb all day, all night for um, a month, two months, three months. Go back to World War Two, pounding the hell out of Iwo Jima for weeks. Uh, but. What happens after the bombing stops? They come out of the caves ready to fight. And uh, that's what we're going to see here with uh, Gaza. You can pound it into oblivion. But uh, it's kind of surprising to me, these massive 1,000-pound bombs, right? You see the buildings go down. Uh, well, the bad guys can survive that, and uh, they've dug in. And uh, at some point, we're going to have to send in, or they're going to send in, uh, ground troops, and that could get really messy. Although, then again, it could be like the Gulf War. Who remembers the Gulf War? What happened? Desert Storm. It was Desert Shield for many, many months, and then it became Desert Storm, mid-January 1991. And uh, the bombing was basically continuous for six weeks. And then uh, they didn't give up. Then we had to go in and uh, into Kuwait and kick them the hell out, and into Iraq, too, not far enough. Uh, you still got to fight that ground war. That was only a four-day, basically a four-day war, the 100-hour war, and that was it. Sooner or later, we're going to have to go in. Everybody knows. I mean, liberals, oh, boy, we're seeing some really nasty anti-Semitism. It's on full display. And, you know, I've been one of those guys. It doesn't really matter what you post on social media until it actually matters what you post on social media, Um, especially if you are somebody like, Taylor Swift, who's out there posting, documenting her life and coming out against Republicans like Marsha Blackburn. She has a new documentary, Taylor Swift. I could care less about Taylor Swift. I, I quite frankly, I don't think she's that pretty and I don't think she can really sing all that well. Um, just not, it's not my thing. And what about her? Uh, well, she's super popular. 274 million followers on Instagram. And she's like a multi-billionaire now. I can't name one song that she sings. I don't care. I don't want to know. Um, and she made the new documentary, though. I saw it. I saw the clips, I should say, in the trailer. And the big moment, the big culmination, she's crying to her parents, saying, I have to be political. I have to say something here. I have to come out. And it's all about how she came out against Marsha Blackburn. And what a profile and who's Marsha Blackburn, by the way. Wow, that's a really that's really a big tough stand you took. You come came out against Marsha Blackburn, Republican senator of Tennessee. She's not right on this issue, she's not right on that issue. I have to take a stand. I should have taken a stand against Trump. I didn't do it, and now I'm taking a stand against 
Marsha Blackburn. And this is her big moment in the documentary. And her parents like applaud her. Oh, we're so proud of you. You're standing by your convictions. And um, it's all silence regarding the massacre of Jews. A surprising, eye-opening, great big portion of our society uh, seems to be infected with something called anti-Semitism. It's out there. It's real. Uh, you know, people equating Hamas and or the Palestinian cause with Israel. There is no comparison. This is terrorism. This is good versus evil. And Israel, they're the good guys. Uh, <laughs> end of story. And that goes for you, too, Adam, on that bus out there in uh, Kennedy Airport. I like you, but I think you're way wrong. And I think you've been fed some poisonous lies about uh, the Jews and even the Bible. And uh, uh, I hate what's happening. But it's been percolating for a long time. You know, um, in 2020, actually right down the block, I saw a bunch of uh, guys beat up on Jewish people. It was on the news. Do you remember? It was, you know, it, it was shocking. I remember it was actually on the news. It was right in front of that bagel shop. And uh, it wasn't white supremacists who were wailing on the Jewish guys. It was, um, well, uh, they had uh, flags that suggested that they were of Middle East uh, heritage. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's see. They were also burning the Israeli flag on 42nd Street. Do you guys remember this? It actually it actually happened. It's happening um, in America. And hardcore liberals, BLM, AOC, R- Rashida Tlaib, whatever her name is, the squad, uh, anti-Semites through and through. Uh, and I think it's okay to talk about at this point because it's pretty damned apparent that in a troubling, por- I just said a troubling portion of America, well, a troubling portion of um, Black Lives Matter, and even those just sympathetic to Black Lives Matter, there's a lot of anti-Semitism, latent or not so latent. It's coming out, and it's uh, pretty disgusting. Uh, and it must be defeated. Now, uh, uh, Joe Biden said nothing about anti-Semitism yesterday. He said nothing about Iran. Somebody told me, well, he's trying to tone it all down. He wants to tone it down because he doesn't want World War Three. Is that what Joe was thinking, or he just doesn't want a war with Rashida Tlaib and AOC and the far left, huh? You know, Barack Obama's playing footsie with, uh, you know, he, this guy, I think he's got some anti-Jewish leanings. I do, actually. And you could look it up. You could see Bibi knows. Bibi knows. Bibi has to say certain things in public, but I think he knows. And Obama is no friend of Israel. And they were tickled. I mean, thrilled beyond words when Trump came in there and heartbroken when he left. But, in order for Israel to survive, you know, they have to uh, they have to work with America and they've done their best with with Joe Biden. But Joe Biden has uh, has brought this on. We went through that yesterday. Hey, do you remember after 9-11, there were people in New Jersey uh, celebrating the collapse, the destruction, the terrorist attack on the World Trade Center? Uh, there was. Not saying it was widespread. I'm not saying New Jersey had anything to do with it, but there were people who were born in uh, Middle East countries, and certainly I don't think most people are like this, but there are some, a hardcore group over here celebrating and applauding that. And Donald Trump has said, uh, I saw it. I saw that happening. 
And the fake news has been out there. He said it without any evidence. He said it without evidence. Well, I saw it as well on Channel 2 News. I saw Dan Rather, the most respected man in news. He was reporting on it. It happened. Now, it's expunged. You cannot find this footage. I think it was expunged by the government. Because the government, for whatever reason, after 9-11, you know, <laughs> I don't like that anybody would do that. Unfortunately, it's your right to do that. You, you have the right to be an awful person. And if you want to clap at somebody else's death, I hate that. I might even hate you, but you're allowed to do that. I hate it. But I think the government tried to erase any record of that. Because you may remember, after September 11th, George W. Bush was running around the country, literally running out of the country. He was all scared and afraid and getting on and off of Air Force One. Remember that? People forget, but uh, he didn't forget. That's why he was he was a fraidy cat on 9-11, and he really didn't find his uh, footing until a couple of days later, that uh, bullhorn situation at Ground Zero. And he was okay. He was a decent leader for a couple of days. Although, if I were president, I would have called up Whiteman Air Force Base, where they keep all the B-2 bombers, and say, hey, uh, fuel up the jets and go to Afghanistan, and I want you in the air in 20 minutes. That's what I would have done as commander-in-chief. And you know what? He had the authority, and they had the ability to start pounding Afghanistan right away. But we didn't have the search and rescue operations set up, and we had to liaise with Uzbekistan. Yeah, well, sometimes you got to suck it up. Sometimes you join the military, there's a real risk. There's a risk you might take off and you might not come home. That's, you know, when I signed up, I recognized that. You can't have it all perfect. So what they did was they waited around six weeks so they could set up some helicopter base in Uzbekistan. And that took a lot of administrative and logistical uh, stuff to go through. And that's in the event that, let's say, a B-2 bomber or some sort of bomber gets shot down then the helicopter can go rescue the guy. Well, there's a time and a place for, like, you know, you either get there and complete the mission or you, you're not coming back. And that's kind of part of the oath and part of the deal you sign up for when you join the military. So we gave al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed a great big six-week head start, and that's on George W. Bush. So, yeah, he performed kind of okay when he was at the mound with those uh, with those uh, firefighters and construction workers, but that's pretty much it. And he was running around the country saying, we need to be nice to Arab people, as if America was just going to start bashing heads on Arab people or people of Arab descent. That's not America. We're, we're not a bunch of, uh, you know, crazed maniacs. You know, the KKK is extinct, and white supremacy is awful. Everybody knows that. I didn't see any. I didn't even sense it. I didn't even sense it in the air. This is a diverse city, as you know, and everybody here was horrified by what happened. I, I, there was no collective. We got a whale on. No, there was none of that. But he kept saying it like there was, and he was protecting us. Well, right now, I mean, Jews are kind of, you know, they're back. They're being backed into a corner. They need our help. Um, in Israel, uh, throughout Europe, America, the world, throughout the world. And we really needed some presidential leadership. This guy has to go. And I think he's going to go very, very soon. I still hold to my uh, prediction that it's going to happen this fall. He's going to have to step down. Um, imagine that. Imagine being afraid of AOC. 
imagine like you can't go, you have to kind of faint to the left because AOC might give you a hard time. That's what we're, that's the kind of deal we have going right now that he has. He's intimidated by them. That's the heart and soul. What else? I, we need to find out more about why intelligence wasn't able to catch this. One of my many theories is everybody is consumed not with the substance of what they do, but with the style of what they do to make it appear as if we're working when we're not really working. Does anybody remember, remember in 2017, there were like seven or eight ships that collided the U.S. Navy because everybody is, has taken their eye off the ball. Nobody wants to be doing what they're supposed to do. And when it comes to intelligence work, a lot of it is tedious. A lot of it is, um, kind of. <laughs> A pain in the neck, a lot of it is boring, and you can look it up. The CIA is all about having woke seminars and having a diverse workforce and all that stuff. They were never particularly good at intelligence gathering, and now if you throw all this other stuff that they have to do, I mean, they outright suck at it. They suck at what they're supposed to be doing, protecting us and our allies. I mean, everything we've got going for us, all this all these, you know, all this machinery, satellites, people, this center, DIA, CIA, DIA, <laughs> NSA, IA. Um, we have 17 intelligence agencies. 17. What are we doing with all that stuff? There's a DNI. I forgot that guy. The Director of National Intelligence. And somehow this still happened. Really suspicious. Really suspicious, isn't it? Hey, before we go, you want to hear that great Eric Adams impression? I got this guy. Who remembers Jason Scoop when he was on the show uh, last week? You got it for me? Uh, yes. Jason Scoop. He does not like Eric Adams, but he does a great Eric Adams impression. You ready for this? Uh, Jason Scoop. You can follow him on uh, TikTok and Instagram and Cameo. He'll call your loved one as uh, as Donald Trump or Mayor Adams. Listen to this. Cut 17. New Yorkers, it's your mayor, Eric Adams. Look, the criminals, they out here criming. You know, the, the protesters, they out here, they, they, they protesting. You got the Palestinians on one side. They out there in Times Square, Palestinian in it. You know, when the Jews, they doing their thing. Shout out my Jews, they out there Jewing. You know, and then you got the men and women in uniform in the middle of it, the cops, they copping. You know, listen, I'm going to go get my nails did. All right. I've been stopping Asian hate since like 92, you know, and I'm a fan of musical theater. While all this commotion going on, I'm on Broadway watching West Side Story. I love West Side Story. The minutes seem like hours. The hours go so slowly. Tonight we're going to rumble tonight, man. I beat those crackers' ass. The name is Jason Scoop, and he's a genius. Check him out. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, breaking news. Uh, Congressman Steve Scalise has been nominated by the Republican Conference to be the next speaker, replacing Kevin McCarthy. Uh, does this mean it's a done deal? Let me see here. He wins the GOP nomination for House Speaker. Lawmakers say full House vote expected this afternoon. Uh, makes sense to me. Steve, Steve Scalise, again, a good guy. I like him. Uh, I think he's pretty reliably conservative. He's a little bit MAGA, too. 
You may remember he was uh, nearly shot to death and killed at that baseball game in Northern Virginia. When was that? 2016, 2017. Uh, he almost died. He came very close to dying. And actually, his health isn't so hot right now. He has blood cancer. And that was one thing that was, you know, kind of keeping him back potentially. And there was questions about whether he could be it. But look, he's going to be the next speaker. It looks like uh, I'm okay with that. I do think he probably needs a bit more job security than if Matt Gates changes his mind. I mean, you know, I love Matt Gates, but we can't have too much turnover. Then we'll look really ridiculous. But I'm okay. I'm I'm okay with Kevin uh, being kicked out. Actually, you we talked about that last week. It's like it never happened, right? Who cares, right? Just the, it just keeps moving on, moving on, moving on. Uh, so he is done. And I see the news is going bananas with it. Okay, Steve Scalise. What else can we say about him? He's in his sixties. Uh, he's very friendly with Trump. Uh, let me see here. I think he's a career politician, been around for a long time. And uh, hey, Diego, pop quiz here. Do you know who your congressman is? Do no. you? No, you don't, huh? Where do you live? Harlem, East Harlem. Hmm. I just uh, moved there though. Might be maybe your AOC, or maybe your uh, oh, who's that guy? Hispanic guy. Um, <laughs> Uh, he's the son of somebody. Um, Isn't AOC in the Bronx or something? Well, you ever see these districts? They all kind of like meander from here, there, and everywhere. So it's a little bit of the Bronx, a little bit of Queens. It might have a smidgen of uh, Manhattan. I can see the guy. I don't. I can't place his name. He is this. No, not Diaz. Diaz is not a congressman. He's the borough president. Uh, who the hell is it? We got to look it up. I, he, his father was a prominent Hispanic politician. He was a state lawmaker anyway. Nobody knows who their congressman is, okay? And the fake news is going bananas with uh, the speaker. I happen to know, uh, I did have to look it up, though. Apparently, Jerry Nadler is my congressman. Yeah. I don't like that guy. Uh, remember, he pushed out, uh, what's her name, uh, McCarthy, another McCarthy, Carolyn McCarthy, who was actually, uh, Carolyn Maloney, who was crazy liberal, but not a bad person. It turns um, out it's uh, Adriano Espaillat. Espaillat. Uh, hmm. Adriano Espaillat? Espal, Espaillat. You should be able to pronounce this, Diego. Okay, it's Espaillat. That's how he goes by. Uh, I don't know who I was thinking of. All right, there's the music. Republicans nominate Steve Scalise to be the next speaker. Should be done by the time we come back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, they're going to vote at 3 o'clock, and all the Republicans, uh, maybe minus one or two, it's going to be Steve Scalise, S-C-A-L-I-S-E, Steve Scalise, new speaker, and uh, good for him, good man, good man. And uh, hopefully that all comes off without a hitch. The Democrats will not vote for that person. But they have enough Republican votes to do it, and it looks like the uh, the Matt Gates uh, folks have been uh, placated, and they're going to cooperate. And uh, good man. Now, personally, I was kind of rooting for Jim Jordan, all right, because I, I I know him a little bit better. It'd be nice to like you know be able to text the Speaker of the uh, House of Representatives. But uh, I'm happy with Steve Scalise. So, yeah, here's um, you know everybody everybody really should condemn the terrorism, right? Everybody should condemn Hamas. Everybody. Uh, who loves democracy and freedom should be supporting Israel, right? Well, um, the hard left doesn't feel that way at all. Uh, there's Rashida, what's her name? Rashida Talib and AOC. 
Uh, quite frankly, uh, they seem to really hate Jewish people. All right. I'm you just, you read between the lines here. You know, you can tell, uh, there's uh, the big signs and small signs. And they have said virtually nothing, especially the Talib character has said nothing since this happened. Hey, that's what politicians do. They speak out on things, right? And both of them, AOC and Talib, they were hysterical. Remember that phony story about kids in cages at the border? If you arrest an adult, you don't, <laughs> they get separated from their children. All right. It was totally humane. And oh, by the way, it was a bit of a deterrent at the same time. It was tough, but humane, but also a deterrent. You don't want people coming into the country. And one of the ways you deter is, okay, you're going to get arrested. You may be separated for a time. It was humane deterrence. But listen to the act that they put on um, before or right after they came back from the border. Remember, they wore all white. Everybody swoons about AOC because she's semi-pretty. Not my type, but whatever. All right, go. Let's listen. Mr. Chairman, it needs to be noted into record. (laughs) I spoke to CPB agents, even though they told us not to speak to them, too. Remember that? And I said, what do you think we need to do because you guys are overwhelmed? They said, one of them, stop sending money. It's not working. Another one said, I wasn't trained for this. I am not a social worker. I am a medical, not a medical care worker. She actually she's said, crying, I at the, by the border. Way. That's what I was trained to be at. The separate, the one other one, the last one, Mr. Chairman, the separation policy isn't working, he said. And what was worst about this, AOC. Mr. Chairman, was the fact that there were American flags hanging all over these facilities, that children were being separated from their parents in front of an American flag, that women were being called these names under an American flag. Now who's calling them names? All right, being called names. That's not nice. How about babies getting their heads cut off, AOC and Talib? Where the hell have you been on that? Mute. Because deep down, not so deep down, uh, they don't like Jewish people. And uh, the radical left is rooting for these hideous um, terrorists. Okay? I've been to Gaza. There are some nice people. Out of about 2 million, I would say, there are 27 nice people. And I'm talking about the women and children, of course, we consider them all nice. All nice. Okay? But as far as the adult men, I would say 27 are nice. Uh, the rest, not so nice. I met some nice people. I did. But the rest of the time, I felt like, good, get that man, get me the hell out of this place. It gave me the heebie-jeebies. I'm sorry, it did. That's, uh, oh, so here's, uh, Taylor Swift. I told you already, I don't care. I don't know, but she is a force. 274 million Instagram followers. And now she's, well, she went all political. She regrets not coming out against Trump in 2016, but since then she took a stand. She came out against that threat to women everywhere, Marsha Blackburn. (laughs) Now, who the hell is Marsha Blackburn? Well, it's the woman that she's talking about here, and she really wants to come out against her. Okay, we got this all queued up. This is a new show on Netflix featuring, yeah, Taylor Swift. Talk about overexposed. You know, you don't hear that word anymore, overexposed. Well, she is overexposed. Go ahead with that, please. Other thing, just from a security so you standpoint, think Taylor people- Swift comes out against Trump. I don't care if they write that. I'm sad that I didn't two years ago, but I can't change that. I'm saying right now that this is something that I know is right, and you guys 
I need to be on the right side of history, Taylor, and if he Taylor, doesn't win, then at least I, I, at least I tried. Taylor, here's the, here's the problem. I just want to read you what I wrote, and I'm going to try to start. I just really want you to know that this is important to me. I totally agree with the issue. Have you heard Yes, I've read the entire thing, and the bottom line right now, I'm terrified. I'm the guy that went out and bought armored cars. I worry for her safety as much as anybody does, maybe more. It really is a big deal. She votes against against fair pay for women. She <gasps> votes against the reauthorization of the of the Violence Against Women <gasps> Act, which is just basically protecting us from domestic abuse and stalking. Stalking. She votes. She thinks that that if you're a gay couple, or even if you look like a gay couple, you should be allowed to be kicked out of a restaurant. It's really basic human rights, and it's right and wrong at this point. And I can't see another commercial and see her disguising these policies behind the words Tennessee Christian values. Those aren't Tennessee Christian values. I live in Tennessee. I am Christian. That's not what we stand for. I need to do this. I need you to just I need you to forgive me for doing it because I'm doing it. Oh, wow. So she came out against Marsha Blackburn. Now, Marsha Blackburn's a common sense person, all right? But she came after this. She came against this. She came out all these really nice sounding bills. Hey, we already have laws against all that stuff. Okay, we have laws against all that stuff. Uh, she's right. Uh, she writes this. Uh, let's see here. Taylor Swift. This is the thing that they were talking about that, you know, she, I'm taking a stand, Mom and Dad. I'm going to do this. I'm writing this post about the upcoming midterm elections in which I'll be voting in the state of Tennessee. In the past, I've been reluctant to share my views. I feel very differently now. Uh, and I believe we deserve uh, to live in a country, I believe, in the fight for LGBT queer rights uh, and that any form of discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender is wrong. Where is this happening? You know where it's happening? You know where real discrimination is against women, against gay people? Uh, Hamas, radical Islamic fascism. What do they do to gay people? They throw them off of the roofs of buildings. This should be so clarifying. All this crap, all this fake demonization of Republicans, right? Who really just want to be left alone, all right? And everybody has a right to safety and security, no matter what you do, no matter what you, ethnicity or religion, it doesn't freaking matter. It just doesn't. You got to look at the heroes of the MAGA movement, some of the heroes, some of the really great heroes. It doesn't, I, I feel actually sometimes bashful to, like, we're so beyond that. It doesn't matter. All right, Ben Carson happens to be the best, one of the best, most talented people in the world, and I think he's going to be the next vice president. Happens to be black. He also happens to be a brain surgeon who wanted to be president. Lost to Trump. All right. Couldn't beat Trump. I understand that. Became a great HUD secretary. Public service is what he's all about. And uh, it just doesn't matter. Hey, Jamal, what's up? What are you confused by? How are you? Welcome back. Craig, my, my family today said to me, I feel you should be nice to this gentleman. Listen to his shows from the first. I said, okay, I'm going to listen. Then I'm listening to you, and I'm extremely confused. What is your point to your listener? I apologize to ask you this, because my family is trying to brainwash me to like you, which I will never do, because I'm still confused about you. Well, listen, I point? mean, I can't straighten you out, all right? You can take it or leave it, you know. I, I'm on your family side here. Uh, maybe what confused you earlier is when I talked about in the aftermath of 9-11, there was this kind of fake campaign that somehow uh, Arab Americans were at risk when they really weren't. I mean, it was it was kind of offensive to me that there were going to be like these brigades, these mobs that were going to like lynch up uh, Arab people, Arab Americans, because 
you know, same ethnicity or whatever as the hijackers. There was never any threat of that. You know, there really wasn't. But they kind of overplayed it. And George W. Bush coming out and saying that again and again and again. I thought that was kind of insulting and off the mark. And um, I would like to see. Compare that. Compare that to what we have right now. There's a very real threat uh, to Jews in America and throughout the world. And for the president of the United States to come out and ignore that and ignore the threat from Iran, uh, that's what I was talking about for the first chunk of the show. Now, if you can't get that, Jamal, I can't help you. Um, anything else going on? Yes. Can I say something? First of all, I'm a non-practicing Muslim, as you know, because of my first name. Now, well, I don't quite I don't frankly know. know that because of your first name. Well, you just no, 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 no. We never talked about your faith. I don't know what. I mean, you tell me, Jamal. I mean, okay. Malcolm Jamal Warner. I don't know what. Remember the guy from the Cosby Show? You may not remember. Uh, I think he was Christian. I think he was Baptist. I'm trying to think of any Jamals. I other anyway. All right. So you're Muslim, but you don't practice. Why don't you practice? Okay, because because you already all, know it. Keep going. I'm knowing sorry. Knowing what? Knowing what? First of all, we don't. We don't. We don't. We never hate the Jews or Christian because you know. In the book that I remember, it wasn't like that. But uh, Jamal, to... excuse me, uh, going back, let's see, uh, uh, something along the lines of uh, 5,000 years, there seems to be a lot of tension between Jews and Muslims. Rumor has it. Okay, you you were you were in you were in you were in uh, in Iraq and you were you were there you were you were among the muslim did they bad did they treat you bad i'm asking you a question because i first of all i appreciate for your service to our beloved country but i want to want did they treat you in the wrong way well other than the one who uh fired the um, mortar at me and the rocket propelled grenade they were all great okay no so i mean look here here's the deal i was in iraq as a civilian as a journalist and we were invading that country. And I expected them to fight back. Right? And they did. I don't take it. I, I quite frankly, I don't take it personally. I don't take it personal. All right? I mean, really, what the hell? I would have done the same thing. And we shouldn't have been there in the first place. Um, so, you know, I'm not, uh, uh, what's your point? Okay. My community that I don't practice anymore with them. Well, you then you maybe you know so you don't know you don't know I mean you lost touch maybe you lost touch you can't speak for your hey wait Jamal nobody can speak for that you can't speak for the Muslim community I can't speak for the Christian community I mean I can speak as a Christian but the community I don't think I can speak as you know there's people are going in a million different directions anyway Jamal back to your point please let me just say something what is happening in Middle East is very sad right now. The people are dying, innocent people are dying, and nobody should capitalize on them. doesn't matter what side you are, because innocent human beings are dying on both sides. As you know, you were in the war. Nobody wins at the end. So I'm going to say to you, your subject should stay what we should do to make the peace. And that's my suggestion. You're a good guy. I like you because you're a very nice person. Because my family loves you. I don't know why they love you. I'm trying to brainwash them backward toward me. But but, but what can I say? It's part of the law. Listen, so what are you saying? Peace. So peace. So you want peace, right? Everybody wants peace, right? Right. But uh, you're saying that the Israelis should just uh, suck it up and uh, hope for peace, right? 
Wrong. No, you got to pound that. back. You got to retaliate hard. You got to retaliate ten times harder. And yes, there will be collateral damage. Yes, women and children will die. You want to minimize that. You don't want it to happen, right? But that's why war, which is horrible, it always happens in war. Horrible, bad things happen in war. All kinds of crazy things. In big wars and small wars, you send uh, 200,000 19-year-olds with M16s 10,000 miles away, a lot of bad crap is going to happen. It just is. And also, you objectives can be achieved. It's the last resort. Sometimes it's you have to do it. But there are a million reasons to not do it. But right now, I can't think of one reason to not do it. Not one. you got to retaliate, retaliate hard. Ten times, a thousand times harder, because you can't have this happen again. There's got to be a deterrent factor. There's got to be a punishment. And... Uh, maybe eliminate the threat. So you got that, you know, peace is not always the answer. 9-11. What the hell were we supposed to do? Not do anything? Just say, well, let's send our team of ambassadors over there. We'll meet you in Switzerland, see what we can work out. Wrong. You got to hit them hard. You understand that, Jamal, right? Sometimes you got to fight. Okay. 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 You, you first of all, calm down. I'm worried one of these things. Shut up. I got to go in a second. I didn't mean to say shut up, but I'm getting a little bit annoyed here. All right. Jamal, I just got to make sure you're not a pacifist peacenik because, you know, you do understand that there is war that is occasionally justified. You do, right? I am. I am sorry. I'm a pacifist. Sorry. Oh my gosh. He's a pacifist. Well, you know, we'd all be under Nazi rule right now. Nazi and uh, the Emperor of Japan, pacifist, pacifist. Yes, when did you become yes. a pacifist? Come on, you're not a real pacifist. Yeah, a real yes, pacifist. I, All right. So if I come up there and I just start, you know, slapping you around and taking your m- money and stealing your car, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to fight no, back. No, no, uh, I don't because you can take my money. Right, and where I does this guy live? Let's. <laughs> I can replace them. All right. I Listen, good luck, Jamal. Them. We di- we disagree philosophically. No surprise, right? No well, surprise whatsoever. Right. All right. Yeah. Best day. of the family. Best of the family. Um, all right. I got to get a switch where I can hang up on the callers. Okay. You, I, I'm, I'm waving frantically and you guys just like, like, no, I like Jamal. We agree to disagree. And, uh, before I go, I do have to check in with Sandra very quickly. Yes, Sandra. I, I have a peaceful story to tell you. Two years ago, you know, my mom passed away. And, the beloved um, B, We love B. We miss B. Oh, boy, she was a riot. Tell us more. Right. I want you to know her house was blessed. I'll tell you why. I told my sister and brother during the year before we sell the house that it has to go to someone special. And someone special did come along. He actually went to your book event. That's how special he was. He's, he's on the same page as us politically, and he has good values, blah, 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 blah. Turns out... In the end of story, four months ago, he bought the house, and I'm so happy, and so is my mom. But get a load of this. I texted him on Saturday, realizing he's religious, and he doesn't answer the phones on Saturday. He got back to me on Sunday, because I told him about the war in Israel. He didn't even know about it, but you want to know what he's doing now? What he does in the community, he works for Hadzola as a voluntary ambulance person. He does that, like, voluntarily. He is going to Israel with a bunch of other men to do this service there in Israel. Now, is my mother's house blessed or what? Uh, yeah, that's very beautiful. Um, that's very beautiful. Hey, when those guys are in Brooklyn, they got to slow down a little bit. 
You know what I mean? Do they have a light and siren on the top of his ambulance? Yeah. I have seen those guys. Sometimes they drive a little bit too fast. Sometimes I think they, uh, I don't know. All right, well, he sounds like a great guy. He's on his way over there? Yeah. yeah. All right, well, we want him to be careful, and you too, and uh, we'll always remember B. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, Carrie Lake. I love Carrie Lake, the former candidate for governor in Arizona. She was a great anchor woman. Well, now she's running for the U.S. Senate in Arizona. Um, and I really hope she wins. I think she can win. She's an awesome, she's an awesome campaigner, an awesome person. And, uh, she belongs in, in, uh, government and at the highest level. And it could happen. Here's, uh, Carrie Lake, endorsed by Trump, by the way. Uh, announcing it last night, her campaign. Cut 16, please. I am not going to retreat. I'm going to stand on top of this hill with every single one of you. And I know you're by my side as I formally announce my candidacy for the United States Senate. All right. Anything else? What? We didn't. Um, when's the election? Next year. It's a long haul. And what do you have to do? What's the first thing you have to do? Uh, get out, meet the people, and shake hands, and ask for their vote. Mm. You got to do that at some point. You got to do a little bit of that, but you really have to raise money. It's all about money. I told you at the time I was thinking about running for Congress, and I met with this special committee, and I was uh, studying for weeks all the issues, and you know I was ready for anything, and I could talk fiscal policy, I could talk monetary policy, I could talk foreign policy. I was so ready. And all they wanted to do was talk about money. That was just a big wake-up call for me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you want to run? Oh, right, right. How much money do you have? Okay, how much can you get? Okay, who do you know? Where do you live? It was just money, 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 money. What? Anyway, what do they say about uh, our system of government? It's the worst one in the world, except for all the others. <laughs> okay, it's a crummy. So many things about it are real crummy. Um, all right. Breaking news, Steve Scalise will be the next Speaker of the House of Representatives. That's great. Oh, we've got this. Senator Tester and Senator Manchin call on Biden to refreeze the $6 billion we forked over to Iran. Can we do that? Is it too late? I don't think it is. You can actually put another hold on that money because it they had to jump through a lot of... Uh, uh, hoops, you know, fill out this application, that application, actually get the money. The process was underway. It was all kept in some bank in Qatar. You ever been to Qatar? You know where Qatar is? It's a little peninsula in the Persian Gulf. Goes straight up north, runs north and south, right above Saudi Arabia. And, um, man, I've actually been there. It's like another lifetime ago. Uh, did I mention the United Arab Emirates? If you ever want to go on an exotic vacation, that might be a good place to go. It's actually a lot of fun. It's like Vegas, except it has an ocean. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I cannot resist the rolled gold thin pretzels, 110 calories per pack. Um, all right, we got Scalise as the speaker. We also have a lot of mad people out there, um, mad, crazy, anti-Semitic, and a lot of people mad at these crazy, anti-Semitic people. 
My gosh, this Andrea Mitchell. Now, does she qualify? You heard what she did. I think she's Jewish, by the way. Liberal Jews. It's it's a little bit confusing. How can you not support Israel? Um, it's, I don't know. It's beyond me. Beyond my wife. She happens to be Jewish. Did you know that? She said she never met a liberal Jew until she came to America. <laughs> it, just, it just like boggled her, her mind that, that it exists. But uh, anyway... Here's Andrea Mitchell. You got this ready to go? All right. So a woman had just lost her uh, son and daughter to, like, Hamas kidnappers. And there's a good chance they're dead, and it's a horrible situation. So she goes on the MSNBC. And a little bit about Andrea Mitchell. She's crazy left. You know, there's an – first of all, she's married to the former head of the Federal Reserve. um, What's his name? Greenspan. Alan Greenspan who's still alive. He's about a hundred years old. Um, and he's known for ruining the economy. <laughs> he, ruined, uh, he, he was an economist who ruined the economy, but all right, well, you can't win them all. Um, Andrea Mitchell, friend of politicians, big time, Joe Biden, you know, there's an Andrea Mitchell center of peace and democracy at the university of Pennsylvania, the Andrea Mitchell center for peace and democracy. I mean, she's just a reporter. Who do you think you are? Well, I guess she's Mrs. Alan Greenspan. That's a big deal, right? So we good to go? All right. Uh, this is the big moment that a lot of people are talking about. Remember, the woman, the guest, has, you know, she's suffering. She's uh, an Israeli citizen, and her son and daughter are missing, I think. Now, let's see how Andrea handles this. Go ahead. Now, I'm sure you want them to be with people they know so that they're not alone there. But... What are your feelings about the the, the attacks against Gaza right now? Um, how can I must the government... say, uh, look, you, you're looking for for a symmetrical situation, and I must say, it isn't. Um, if you were dealing with a, a war who is between two countries, countries don't take children hostages. I'm sorry, it's against the laws of war. It's against humanity. It's against anything that we all believe in. Every time we had missiles uh, shot at us, I used to say to my children that they should be sympathetic towards the children of Gaza because they suffer a lot more than they do. I'm not sure I still believe in it now. And I must say the only worry I have now from uh, the bombings in Gaza is the fact that my children are there. And I can't be sympathetic anymore. I can't be sympathetic to... Animal human beings, well, they're not really human beings, who came into my house, broke everything, stole everything, took my children from their bedrooms and took them to the Gaza Strip. Israel never done that and will never do. So there is no symmetry. I'm sorry. Do you want the government... Do you want the government to put the, the top priority on getting the hostages out? Uh, before they I retaliate. want my government to put it on the first priority, and I want the world to put it on first priority. I think any mother in the world should try and imagine her children under that situation, and then think again. That's all I want. I want the world to ask them to release children, to release elderlies, to release the civilians they took, There is no reason to hold them there. They are not soldiers, they are not part of the war, and they have nothing to do with it. 
We gave them work permits. We really believed that this was the way to move their economy to reun to to reconnect these two so-called countries. This is not the way a country uh, behaves. This is a way that a terror organization behaves. I'm sorry. Uh, she was very, very uh, powerful. My goodness gracious. Can you imagine what she's going through? I'm sorry to do this. I just want to hear the first 10 seconds. I want to hear what uh, Andrea Mitchell actually said at the top. All right, go one more time. Yeah, I'm sure you want them to be with people they know so that they're not alone there. But what are your feelings about the the, the attacks against Gaza right now? Um, how can I must the government... Say, uh, All right, stop yeah. for a second. Well, she asked, how are you feeling about the attacks on Gaza right now? And she expressed her feelings, right? I mean, um, she certainly, and, and I agree with those feelings. I think she's spot on and, and also a million years, light years more informed than I am. My gosh, her own children, flesh and blood, and she saw all that stuff happened. Now, in a weird way, Andrea Mitchell's question is not as out of bounds as I, as I thought. How do you feel about what they're doing? Yeah, yeah, I know. Me too. I mean, that could have been a response. But if you watch Andrea Mitchell, as I strangely do, um, you can tell she is um, she's playing this neutral, right? She's playing this right down the middle. And th- there's a time and a place for that. Not now. Not now. So I could say that. You know what I mean? I mean, I could say. So how do you feel about that? You know what I mean? Yeah, they should be pounding it even more. But she is in a tough position. I guess it's an OK question. Andrea Mitchell has been known to be really uh, disrespectful of um, of people, of the truth, of the truth. Uh, we caught her in some really uh, nasty, unfair things over the years. I'll have to go back and look at that. I got her on doing something very, very strange just a few months ago. Um, all right, that's going to work out, we hope. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this thing could blow up. Lebanon gets involved, Iran, and we, uh, we got the Gerald Ford over there, and we have the USS Eisenhower. Not to brag here, but that's an aircraft carrier that I actually landed on. Yes, I did. In 1993, I landed my T2 Buckeye jet, uh, my first ever landing on an aircraft carrier. The very first time you go to the aircraft carrier, <laughs> you go by yourself. It's solo. I figured, you know, because every other time I had a 7,000-foot runway, no problem. And this time you got a deck. It's only a couple. You're landing on a ship. Imagine that. Look at a cruise ship. Imagine landing a jet plane on one of those things. Um, but you know what? They have a pretty cool system built. And, uh, if you practice long enough, uh, yeah, you too could actually land the jet on an aircraft carrier. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun in the daytime. At night, it can get kind of weird. It can get kind of hairy. Um, but I enjoyed it. I was like, man, this is such a unique thing. I'm one of the few people in the world doing this right now. And, uh, I knew that at one, even when I was living the moment, I knew, you know what? I'm going to look back on this. Like, this is a moment that I will look back on for the rest of my life. And I knew that in the moment. It was very interesting. And uh, I'm glad I had that. Hey, let's go through some uh, Democrats, former Democrats. You know who's really good? Tulsi Gabbard. I think she left the Democrat Party because she knows the truth. Just like, ooh, now more than ever, you got to get Mark Levin's book. Uh, the Democrat Party Hates America, uh, which is so true, really, in many ways. He makes the case. He shows you. And the history, the racist history of that party cut 13 please cut 13 why is democratic support 49 percent for the palestinians 38 for israel that's your former party tulsi 
Why? Why would they support a group that supports this terror organization? Yeah, Sean, I, I want to highlight and underline that's my former party. It's one of the reasons why I left the Democratic Party is there are far too many people who are among the Democrat elite in this party, both politicians and those in the mainstream media, who very simply hate America. They hate what we stand for. They hate the principles enshrined in our Constitution. And we see this bear fruit through their attempts to censor Americans, undermine our First Amendment rights, uh, use the rule of law and the Justice Department to try to go after their political opponents. We see over and over again how much they hate this country and also how much they sympathize with and romanticize those who are our enemies, those who seek uh, to destroy us. They refuse to acknowledge this Islamist threat that is the greatest short and long term threat to our country and people around the world, threatening our safety, security and freedom and inst and refuse to take a stand. All right. Good for her. Very powerful, very eloquent. Uh, I like it a lot. And uh, we also have Alan Dershowitz, all fired up, the great law professor. Uh, I see him quite a bit. He's uh, he's just terrific, brilliant, off the charts, uh, smart and a Harvard Law graduate, former, no, actually, I'm sorry, he went to Yale, but he taught at Harvard. And this is what he thinks about Harvard these days, all those crazy kids coming out, pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist. So stupid. How stupid and lazy can you be? All right, Professor Dershowitz, he's mad, cut three. Helen Dershowitz is with us. Professor, we've been friends a long time. I know this is deeply personal for you. I, I, I haven't spoken to you about it, but I just know. I know. I just spoke to my cousin in Stay Wrote. Uh, several of his congregates were killed. Massacres occurred uh, literally right in front of him. Harvard has not done the right thing. The president of Harvard, the board of overseers, ought to treat these clubs as if they were the Ku Klux Klan club advocating the lynching of Jews. That's what Black Lives Matter in Chicago was doing, advocating the lynching of Jews. That's what Amnesty International at Harvard is doing, advocating the lynching of Jews. These are lynchings. These are comparable to what happened in the 1920s and the 1930s in the South. And we shouldn't mince words about that. I want the name of every student who has ever signed a petition supporting these rapists and murderers, I want their names to be revealed. We succeeded in one case today. A woman named Rina Workman, the head of the Student Bar Association at NYU, talked about how it was necessary to rape and murder. And you know what happened? Her offer as a lawyer was rescinded by the law firm. Thank you, law firm, for doing that. Would anybody want, as a lawyer, a woman who advocated rape and murder, a woman advocating rape. That's what's going on in these universities. But we're not treating them like the Ku Klux Klan. They have free speech rights, just like the Nazis and the Klan have free speech rights. But universities have an obligation to condemn these groups as forcefully as they would condemn the Ku Klux Klan. They are not doing it. Harvard's not doing it. Yale's not doing it. Columbia's not doing it. City University of New York is not doing it. It's a shame. It has to be done with the same vociferousness. Absolutely. Good man, Alan Dershowitz. What a national treasure. You know, and while we're at it, come to think of it, you know, all those groups, you know who else they uh, uh, condemn? <laughs> the January 6th people. January 6th, right? People who didn't break anything, people who didn't hurt anybody. January 6th, the terrorists. They have no problem calling January. They won't call terrorists terrorists, but they'll call the Bubba with the... Uh, 
with the crazy horns hat. They'll call him a terrorist. They'll throw him in jail for five years. They'll throw <laughs> our friend from the Proud Boys. Yeah, the Proud Boys, not white supremacist. Okay. Uh, uh, what was his name again? Uh, uh, Tario. Enrique Tario. He's black and Hispanic, and they call him a white supremacist. And he's in jail for the next 22 years, falsely accused of being a a terrorist. They won't call the terrorist terrorist, but they'll lay it at everybody else's feet. Shame on them. Give me a give me one moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, is standing next to a plane. He's about to get on it to go to Israel. But I I thought he was I thought he was like uh the steward, you know? You know you have the male the male steward, not the stewardess, but the steward, right? The male flight attendant. That's what he looks like. He just looks like he's waiting for the uh for the captain to get there, for the person who knows what he's doing. And he's there. What the hell is he going to do? All right. Hey, I want to go back. You know, you see this celebration all over the world, and it's not being nearly sufficiently condemned. We just heard from Alan Dershowitz. A celebration of a terrorist organization, Hamas. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So we've seen this before, though. I saw it in 2020 in the streets burning the Israeli flag right on 42nd Street, beating up Jewish people right on 3rd Avenue. And um, Donald Trump saw it on 9-11. Everybody says, oh, no, there's no evidence, no evidence, no e-. Well, there's plenty of evidence. And you know who else? Uh, Dan Rather. Hmm? Did they ever bust uh, his chops about what he saw, what he heard about 9-11? Here he is on David Letterman, back when he was normal, uh, speaking about what he saw or what he heard on 9-11. Go ahead with that, please. Yes, it can't be explained. Are, the, are these people happy? Are they are they joyous no. now? Are they celebrating? Oh, absolutely. They're Thank celebrating. God. There's one report I can confirm, but there's several reports that there was a, a, a cell, one of these cells across the Hudson River. And they got on the, this is the report. I emphasize, I don't know this for a fact, but there's several witnesses who say this happened. They got on the roof of the building to look across. They knew what was going to happen. Yeah. They were waiting for it to happen. And when it happened, they celebrated. They they jump for joy. Uh, wow. Now, I believe that happened. And I don't think it's representative, obviously, of uh, of everybody uh, who happens to be uh, Muslim, but um, a disturbingly large number. You know, there was this poll that came out a few years ago. Um, I think it was from uh, Frank Gaffney's group. Uh, he has a nonprofit that studies, um, well, global trends and a weirdly high number of uh, Muslims supported um, uh, Sharia law. Now, weirdly high. I mean, it may be letter of the law, you know, that that's... But Sharia law is not American, right? You can't have that here. You can't. You can't be chopping off people's hands for stealing. Uh, you can't be stoning people to death if they fool around with somebody else's spouse. I mean, look, stealing's bad. Adultery, yeah, that's not good. But you can't be doing that stuff, right? That's no, that's not the penalty. And... Um, Sharia law kind of goes in that direction. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to talk. I, I know in the numbers and like, what are you saying? What are you saying? Well, I'm saying what I know. Um, and look, I know basically everybody's good except for Hamas. I'm sorry. I am sorry. They are. <sighs> I wonder if they've regret. Do they regret it yet? Do you think they regret it? Do you think they regret what they did? 
Hmm? I mean, they had to have anticipated a massive, massive backlash, right? They had to. And it's it's happening, but are they dug in? Maybe this is, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Hey, you know who I really like? Uh, uh, Gilad Erdan. I think that's his, uh, how you say his name. Israeli ambassador at a pro-Israel rally yesterday. And, you know, Israel always wins. They always win. The chips are down right now, but they always win. Cut 10. It is no different. This time again, we will prevail. Israel is here to stay forever. All right. I agree. Uh you know, you see, you know what you should watch? It's a great movie. It's called Munich. It's about the 1972 attack on the Israeli athletes in Munich. You know, they killed a bunch of people, a bunch of Palestinian terrorists. Well, it was about the uh, revenge mission. Okay. Golda Meir, a great lady, personally coordinated the revenge attacks. And you have to have that. You have to as a deterrent and as punishment and as that's well, the right thing to do. All right, be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, you know, we have to, uh, I guess, put everybody on alert that Friday the 13th, number one, you got to be careful on Friday the 13th anyway, right? Friday, it's the 13th, and is it a global day of jihad? Well, the deputy director of Hamas uh, gave a crazy speech and uh, called for a global day of jihad, holy war. That, to me, means uh, terrorism, and uh, we're already at a heightened state of alert, and they said on what, what what could happen, all right, Friday the 13th. That's a bad combo, Friday the 13th plus day of jihad. Uh, I don't like that at all. I have only seen sporadic reports. It's not everywhere, although I think it's gathering momentum. Uh, James Flippin, um, you just, uh, what are you sensing about uh, this day of jihad? Yeah, well, I mean, it's tough because, I mean, in many ways you're monitoring social media and trying to figure out, like, uh, you know, people who know more about this type of situation, what their analysis is of this video. I've seen, you know, some people saying where uh, the deputy director you referred to basically said, you know, money and donations have been key up until this point. They've been pushing for donations, but now they're calling for action. Wait, who's pushing for donations? Ha- Hamas. Like, in other words, a lot of these videos, I guess this guy puts out, usually it's saying, we need money from you. you know, yeah, if you're a supporter, for terrorism. No, don't give us money. And what a jerk. We don't. Want, that guy should be uh, banned from the Internet. You and know meanwhile, they, apparently he's at like a mansion in Qatar somewhere or something like that. All right, so, but do we have to be on the alert on Friday? I that's, mean, what, that's what they're saying. I mean, look, I reached out to, uh, you know, DCPI, the information arm of the NYPD, and they said that they're monitoring social media, trying to keep an eye on things. Yesterday, the chief of patrol, John Shell, uh, spoke about some of the steps they're taking in terms of beefing up security around sensitive locations and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's New York City. You know what I mean? Like, you, as they say, see something, say something. You know, keep your eyes open. I think Mayor Adams yesterday was saying it's not a good day to be buried in your phone. Would you do me a favor and stop talking about that guy only when it's disparaging, only when you want to disparage him? For instance, I know this guy named... I'm sorry, but we got to stop pretending that he's like a traditional mayor who makes news and has helpful things to say. I mean, he is, in fact, the mayor, unless we're breaking news here. He's still the mayor of the city. But he's not really, in some ways, he's not like, he's not a serious person. So he's not a serious mayor, right? I mean, just like that. Uh, uh, Friday is not a day to be in your phone. Oh, thanks a lot. All right. So, I mean, that, that, that makes no sense. 
All right. It makes no sense. But it is kind of a no, help- no, no, no. It's not the kind of thing that the mayor says. That's not his purview. All right. He'll say thing like a oh, mass transit. We're, we're scaling back. We're deploying security here. You know, stay out of your phone. Leave that to me. All right. I got to, you know, with a talk show, what the, like crazy, not him. It's that he's not serious. As a matter of fact, I want you to hear something. I'm going to do it one more time. Jason Scoop, great comedian from Levittown, Long Island. He's become a friend of mine, kind of. You know, I feel like I'm uh, friendly with him. Here he is on Instagram. He perfected, not perfected. He's still working on it, but it's really, really good so far. It's going to even get better. Jason Scoop as Eric Adams. New Yorkers, it's your mayor. Eric Adams, look, the criminals, they out here criming. You know, the, the protesters, they out here, they, they, they protesting. You got the Palestinians on one side. They out there in Times Square, Palestinian in it. You know, when the Jews, they doing they thing. Shout out my Jews, they out there Jewing. You know, when you got the men and women in uniform in the middle of it, the cops, they copping. You know, listen, I'm going to go get my nails did. All right. I've been stopping Asian hate since like 92, you know, and I'm a fan of musical theater. While all this commotion going on, I'm on Broadway watching West Side Story. I love West Side Story. The minutes seem like hours. The hours go so slowly. Tonight we're going to rumble tonight, man. (laughs) I beat those crackers ass. Huh? That's pretty good, I have huh? to say. Yeah, hey, I think he's laying it on a little bit thick with the vernacular and stuff like that. No, you know, like, that's him. That's him to a T. But Adams it, likes to throw in like little like anecdotes and stuff and things. That that's what he did. The to, whole West Side Story thing. It's perfect. And the whole thing about the nails. He's always like he's too styling and uh, he's so simplistic. <laughs> it's very good. And he's always talking about the stuff he did back in the day. And. uh Hey, anti-Asian hate is a real thing that nobody talks about. And quite frankly, nobody talks about that uh, for a host of reasons. The people who are giving the Asians a hard time, well, let me just put it this way. They're not white supremacists, all right? 99% of the time, they happen to be black. Now, that means 99% of black people are not doing it, all right? 99.9, right? But there is a situation there. It goes back a long time. I don't I don't understand it. I do know that Reverend Al Sharpton was boycotting uh, Asian groceries. Why? Because they're Asian. Don't go to the grocery stores that are run by Asians. That was Al Sharpton. Now he sits there on MSNBC with his own yeah. show weighing in on policy and current events. And Al Sharpton's had his run-ins with uh, allegations of anti-Semitism in the past, too, right, given all you that's think? going on right now. Wait and- a second. He said it out loud. He said, let's get that master tape, shall we? I mean, the fact that this guy is welcomed at the White House and Joe Biden has to kiss his rear end, that tells you how far, how totally whacked everything is right now. Seriously, everything is backwards and weird and nothing makes sense. Uh, It's a dangerous time. So, all right, I'm sorry. What else? Uh, let's see. So did you hear that Congressman uh, George Santos is facing more charges? Eh, they should leave him alone. The Congress is now saying they want to draft up a resolution to kick him out. Dolly, he hasn't been convicted of anything. They can't do that. That's illegal. Yeah, the new allegations are that he committed uh, allegedly identity theft and that he charged credit card against credit cards of some of his donors. Look, I met him once, and you know what he said? He said, my name is George Santos. So, I mean... He didn't play games with his identity. Oh, okay. I think, no, I think it's very fat. You can say anything about this guy, and they're really mad that he took that seat from a Democrat. That's his big problem. That's why they're after him. Uh, 
I don't know. He's a character. If they can prove it, great, but leave him alone. Well, Santos also at various times have claimed to be a member of the LGBTQ community, right? Wait a second. He's not gay? Well, there was a whole like controversy over whether or not that was made up to kind of advance his profile and all this kind of stuff. Now, this is fascinating. You say you're gay to help your career. That's where we are right now. I mean, I think really where we're supposed to be is it doesn't matter. Right. But it's wild. Well, you we've know, talked about that before. The whole progressive thing is actually that if you have some of that identity politic on your side, it helps you sometimes. Well, for instance, why is Anderson Cooper on three different networks at the same time? All right. is a talk show on Fox. He's on 60 Minutes and he's on CNN. All right. Now, let's see if we can figure out this puzzle. Why do we think that is? Well, I mean, you're, you're suggesting that his sexuality has something to do with that. Uh, let me. Uh, I don't want to. I don't. I mean, I don't want to. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, it has something to do with. It. I'll tell you why. A lot of dudes in higher management, they just. I mean, a lot of men, period, are competitive with each other. Mm-hmm. They are, and straight men can be very competitive with other straight men, and. I don't know. They don't. They like. Oh, it's like a relief. Oh, you're gay. You're not. Like, a, you're, oh, not, oh, not a, a threat. A little bit. Yeah. Now, there's other things he's got going for him. Number one, he's actually pretty good when he's not being unfair and Trump deranged. Uh, what else about him? He at one point he was kind of curious. Oh, and let's not forget the whole Gloria Vanderbilt angle. Right. The whole Gloria yeah. Vanderbilt. You know that makes it the prestige and whatever. And you know, look, I've met him a couple times. Nice guy, but I mean. Three networks at the same time and books galore and, you know, how, you know, he discovered his father and then he discovers his brother and then he discovers his sexuality and then he discovers his mother's attic and then he discovers just all this stuff. That's a lot of Anderson Cooper all the time. Overexposed. Nobody Mm. says overexposed anymore. So why do we bring that up? Oh, you're saying that he's faking the gay stuff. No, I don't know. I'm just saying it was a transition because apparently today is national coming out day. Oh, I saw that according to the human rights campaign, which is this um, gay uh, social rights advocacy group in Washington, D.C. And I'm sorry, it's like it's it's too much. It's too much. You know, it used to be LGB, right? L actually was LG. You got to support the lesbian and gay community. Then it became LGB in this LGBTQ no, they said LGB. I remember when they introduced the T, it sounded so weird. So here's what happened. They started winning. When they got gay marriage, when was that passed? In 2010? Something like that? Uh, then there was the court decision. Oberg fell. I thought that was even more recent than that. But 2010 sounds about right. All right. So once you get gay marriage, once you're gay and you can join the military, they get rid of don't ask, don't tell. You kind of can do anything anybody can do, right? You, 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 so you got to expand, great, expand the mission a little bit. Expand the grievance. You know, uh, otherwise, uh, welcome. You, 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 you got it. You did it. We don't need your foundation anymore. Yeah, that's true. Well, wait a second. We need a foundation. We're having a gala in six months. So you go LGBT, and then you make that an issue, and then you bring up the queer, mm-hmm. LGBT queer. I like calling it LGBT know, queer. T- you've told me that. And people I think come you in. keep doing that. I've been confronted a couple of times. I heard you say something. Really? Like, yeah, what? I don't want to even say it. <laughs> well, what if you were to say LGB transgender queer? I mean, wouldn't no, that... No, no, no. That doesn't sound pejorative enough. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. <laughs> the queer just on its own kind of... I get it. Well, okay. number one, also, nobody understands the queer. No, I don't understand what that means. And you're queer. Right. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. What does, well, you know what? I did hear somebody say it's questioning. Oh, okay. Well, which is like everybody. You know, aren't we always trying to question authority oh, no, and question, learn new things? Question, uh, question of sexuality. That's what they mean. And that's not me. No. No right. doubts whatsoever. Ever. <laughs> ever. Uh, all right. All right. So, uh, look, anything else news-wise? Well, how about this? Uh, you remember uh, the Olympian Mary Lou Retton? I do. I do. 1984. She won a mess of medals. A yeah. whole mess. She's, oh, but it was a bit, a bit, little bit. It wasn't really all that because the Russians boycotted. And they had some really great gymnasts. All, also, the, all the communists skipped the Olympics. But she won a lot of medals. Why do you bring her up? She's fighting for her life, actually. She's in the ICU. She's dealing with a rare form of pneumonia, apparently. That's for her daughter. Hmm. Oh, I hope she gets better. She's Mary, 55 years old, something like that. Yeah, I remember her. She had these uh, really cool tights with an American flag on it. It was like really, it's like a, a, iconic. And I remember she would go like this, and I remember she was on the box of Wheaties. Mm-hmm. Back when athletes were kind of about fitness and exercise and performing well. You know, and then we went Aaron Rodgers, take a shroom, go to the woods, go to the jungle, drink Ayakasha tea, get in touch, and uh, screw up within the first 10 seconds of the big game. Uh, it was much better in the Mary Lou Retton days. Well, I hope she gets better. Rare form of pneumonia. How? Ra- I mean, Yeah, I don't know. I, that's just what's being put out through the press, but I don't know what that means exactly. All right. Uh, yeah. Do you remember Mary? How old are you anyway? I was born in 85. So, oh my gosh, it happened before. Yeah. Yeah. You even showed up. But right. I, no, Mary Lou Retton was like America's sweetheart for about three months. Mm-hmm. Right. And she was, she was fine. I had no, no problem with her, but she's, oh gosh, Nadia Comaneci. Can we talk Nadia Comaneci? Do you know her? That, no, I don't. She won the 1976 uh, Olympics in Montreal and she had a beautiful theme song. Um, it was Nadia's theme. It's was actually, was young Greg Kelly a fan of Nadia Comaneci? Not in that way. <laughs> Not in the gross way you're getting at. I was six. I was six, but we gathered around as a family. And when we come back here, I got to do this. Everybody remembers Nadia's theme. We'll have it. Um, uh, you you stick around. You got to hear this. Uh, and oh, um, we're out of time. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, hey, Tina, Thor- Tina Thorson's out there. She thinks the clip I played of uh, Jason School playing Eric Adams was actually Eric Adams. All right, so it was not Eric Adams. It was a is a great comedian. All right, we're almost out of time. Let's go to uh, uh, Marianne. Hello. Hello, Greg. Listen, um, I have a favor to ask of you. Uh-huh. Um, being you were the only one that I've ever seen to have the uh, video of Ashley Babbitt right before she was shot. Yeah. Okay. Where she got into a fight with that guy with the black helmet yep. and he bro- was broken the glass. Yep. And she punched him and knocked his glasses off. Yes. And where she went in through the window. Right. They need to see the full clip, and I'd like to know if you could send that video to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, yeah, listen, was- I'm, I know Marjorie Taylor Greene. I, I, I know actually almost beyond a shadow of a doubt that she knows about that video, but I'll double check, and that's a good point. And actually, with this new guy, Scalise, you know, I've been asking them about it. This is important to uh, America. It's important to me. It's important to Aaron Babbitt, um, her uh, husband. Yeah, we gotta, we, we can't drop 
we can't drop that. Thank you, uh, Marianne. I will do that. I will follow up with her. Uh, Mike and Wayne, yes. Greg, how you doing? Um, on the morning of 9-11, I was traveling down Route 80 East on my way into Manhattan. And they, of course, they stopped us. And I got off Main Street there in, in Patterson. And I'm telling you right now, uh, on the light eyes of my they were celebrating on Main Avenue in Patterson, cheering all over the place like crazy. And then the commissioner, police commissioner, lied on TV and said it never happened. Jerry Spezial lied and said it never happened. But you know what? This is what happens. We appease people all the time. Um, to, to, I don't know why, but this is why what goes on now in our country. And it's like, uh, what's her name? It's Taylor Swift. She's saying LBGQ this. Meanwhile, LBGQ wants to take away women, wants to take away their rights. All right. Thanks, man. A lot of great points there. And, uh, yeah, Patterson is celebrating all over again. Thank you. Uh, Lewis and, uh, do me a favor. Hold on, Lewis. Uh, Carmine. Hi, Carmine. Greg, hi, real fast. So yesterday you said that God, uh, the devil was everywhere, and I think the word you used was minutia. I think it's important that we just clarify that Satan is a fallen angel, and he can roam the earth, but only God is omnipresent. Oh, I and, like that. I well, like that. Yeah, listen, I appreciate it, uh, Carmen. Straighten me out every time. You know, you know a lot more. I am, you know... I'm a, a baby, a baby Christian, as they as they say sometimes. Okay, Carmine. Yeah, I like that. Anything else? Well, like you said, I'm not a theologian, but um, you know, we have the word James four seven says, "Submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee from you." Yep. So that's a promise for believers. And Greg, just listen to this, and I'll let you go. You read Second Corinthians four four. When you read the Bible yesterday, Greg, I'm going to challenge you in your spare time, a project. You can read the New Testament. James Earl Jones did it. Johnny Cash did it. All right, I've people... done it. I will. I mean, all right, I mean, I, uh, challenge me, Carmine. We would love. I would listen to it every day if you well, if you streamed it. You did an audio book. I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. I got enough projects. There are a lot of people who did it much better than me. James Earl Jones. You want me to do the New Testament? You want me? Greg, let me and the water was living water, and she took a drink from it. And it was—I I can't do that. Hey, Carmine, you're the best. Thank you, uh, Paul. Paul, hello. Hey, Greg. Um, I'd like to start with a uh, small uh, Bible verse for a prayer for Israel. All right, Paul. I uh, oh, gosh. I mean, I, we love we love Israel. Uh, small pri- Okay, you got ten seconds. Okay. Praise be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He's my loving God, my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, in whom I re- take refuge, who subdues people under me. All right. I love it. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Joe in Mount Sinai. Hi. Hello. Uh, it's it's not surprising to me that something like this happened in Israel because the Jews forgot what they said in the 70s, never forget, never forget. And the Americans, 2001 and in 2008 and nine, you got Obama letting people come in, bowing, sending money, the whole nine yards. This fellow, uh, Joe Biden, he opened up the borders. I pray to God that nothing happens, but my if I had to bet on it, you'd have to say something. Don't bet happen. on it. Don't bet on it. Just keep your eyes peeled. We can't let it happen. All right? All right? I, I don't accept good. that it's going to happen. I don't accept it, but, Joe, thank you. All right, Andrew. 
your voice is great because you're sincere, the opposite of Hutchinson and General Milley. And why does Milley, he's retired, he wears his uniform and ribbons, even though he's retired. But I want to say about fake Muslim hate, I was uh, stories in the news working for files. I was just a camera guy. Just say it, man. I don't want the backstory. Go. The reporter, Bullface, lied. She said that the Muslims in New Jersey felt tension, that there's this. But that's not what the Muslim lady she interviewed said the polar opposite. She said she loved America so much that she was in disbelief how good it was here. It was beyond her dreams. She started. All right, that's up. one story. I mean, you know, everybody's got a story, and there are other stories out there. Andrew, listen, I'm sorry, but it's Barbara's turn. Hello, Barbara. Hi, hi, Greg. The, my heart is breaking with what's going on in Israel, as as is yours, I know. And here in this country, we have a war to fight, which will help Israel and will help us. Elie Wiesel told us what that war is. He said the opposite of love is not hate. It is indifference. And by not speaking out against what is going on, we can be guilty of that indifference by not talking about the anti-Semites that walk the halls of our Congress, by not talking about these universities and these corporations that are worse than not supporting Israel, coming out and blaming Israel by not speaking out. We are being indifferent. We're doing it out of fear, and we're doing it to put a shackle on our own freedom of speech. All right, Barbara. Very, very profound as always. Um, do not be indifferent. Do not. You must. Hot and cold, not lukewarm. Uh, hey, that's Nadia's theme. Very, very beautiful. The 1976 Olympics. Everybody, to be continued. Thank you, Nadia Komenich. Thank you, Barbara. And uh, we'll talk soon. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.